Yesterday, writes Wynne Collier in his book, Love Big, Be Well. Yesterday, on my walk up Three Sisters Mountain, I happened upon a fledgling bluebird that had apparently tumbled out of her nest too soon. The poor creature flapped and rolled in the dirt, frantic but determined. And I feared that if I intervened, my lingering scent would likely result in the chick being abandoned. So I stepped away quietly and sat down to watch. Well, within a few minutes, the mama bird swooped down, dropped a morsel in the agitated chick's mouth, chirped some motherly instruction, and then flew back above the trees and began circling. Meanwhile, the grounded chick flapped with new fury, but managed only to kick up a small cloud of dust. Eventually, the mama bird landed again and then flew away just as before. And this became the routine. Mama flying like a sentinel, landing, feeding, then returning above where she could keep watch. She did this over and over again. Eventually, call your rights, I walked on. And I don't know the fledgling's fate, but I do know that that Mama Blue did all that she could to manage. She couldn't return her chick to safety. She could only circle near, watch with care, and offer the best she had to give, no matter how meager. So she stayed close and hoped favor would bend their way. And then Collier goes on to explain. I think this is how it is for most of us who love someone or carry concern for the world. In other words, all of us. We will never be able to right all the wrongs or heal every wound. We cannot keep harm from those dearest to us. No, to love is to do our best and then to hope, to have faith. Often love means simply circling and staying near, trusting that this will somehow prove enough. The end. Now I open with this story this morning because I think that not only is it a beautiful and touching and poignant story, but I also think that to understand the theology at work in John's Gospel, this story gives us a good window into what is at the heart of it. The claim that the world is broken, but that there is a loving God who desires to mend it. And moreover, the claim that though we as human beings on our own steam most decidedly cannot mend it ourselves, that nonetheless God entrusts us through Christ's Spirit to be agents through whom such mending can begin to take place. And finally, the claim that though we see only imperfect harbingers of it now, the world will in the end be mended, and we and our loved ones along with it. 
These claims sit at the heart of John chapter 3, our passage for today. And they capture the overarching theology of John's whole gospel. And nowhere is this more eloquently presented in summary fashion than in John 3.17, the verse immediately following the verse most often quoted by Christians. So hear now these words from John 3.17. And I quote, Indeed, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Indeed, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Now there is so much that could be said this morning about the complex character of Nicodemus and about the exquisite beauty of a famous passage like John 3.16. But on this second Sunday in Lent, as the Revised Common Lectionary brings us to John chapter 3, and as we recall that Lent is about coming to terms with our own inability to control everything and our sheer dependence and reliance upon God, as we do, I want us today to linger here, to linger here upon John 3, 17, and to consider three deeply important implications in what Jesus says here. But before we do that, I want to tell you one other story. In his book, Let Your Life Speak, renowned author and teacher Parker Palmer writes of how years ago he went through a long season of depression. And of how during that dark season he had many well-intentioned friends who would come to see him, suggesting, by the way, how he might be made better. They would tell him to consider how many people his writing and his teaching had impacted over the years. They would tell him of how they too had experienced depression and then proceed to tell him what they had done to get better. They would tell him of how good of a person he was and about how if he only realized how good of a person he was, he would then be able to cheer up. And finally, he writes of how he knew all these people meant well, but of how their counsel to him had been entirely unhelpful because in reality, what they were doing was trying to fix his pain rather than merely affirm it and be there with him in it. Parker then writes, one of the hardest things we must sometimes do is be present to one another's pain without trying to fix it. To simply stand respectfully at the edge of that person's mystery. He then goes on to explain, this kind of love does not reflect the functional atheism we sometimes practice, which is saying pious words about God's presence in our lives, but believing on the contrary that nothing good is ever going to happen unless we make it happen. I want you to hold those words in Parker's story 
because I'll come back to it at this sermon's end. In John 3, 17, Jesus says, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And as I said moments ago, there are three very important implications to be drawn from Jesus' words here. And now here those three implications are. First, that the world is in need of saving. Second, that it is the Son who can save the world and not us. And third, that the Son desires to save the world and not that the Son simply desires to save us from it. Now these words from Jesus come at the very end of his discourse with Nicodemus, the learned Pharisee who has sought Jesus out under the cover of night. And what Nicodemus has been asking Jesus for in this visit amounts to this. Show me that you really are someone on whom I can stake my reputation. Show me beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I emerge from the shadows beside you, that I won't live to regret it. Beyond all of the spiritual speak that follows, this is what Nicodemus is asking for in this visit. Certainty. Security. Stability. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, he tells Jesus. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from God's presence. And then he pauses and waits. Do you hear it? It's an invitation. He's asking Jesus to confirm this. He's asking Jesus to tell him that all will be okay if he begins to follow him. He would not be here right now if he did not see something in Jesus that makes him want to throw his lot in with him and his new followers. We must remember he has a lot to lose. And so he wants assurance from Jesus. He wants to know that all will be okay if he comes out of the shadows and follows Jesus. He wants to know that he won't live to regret it if he does. He wants confirmation from the horse's mouth that Jesus really is worth his life's investment. And to this desire for certainty, Jesus, just as he has done with all of his disciples and significantly just as he does with us, essentially Jesus tells Nicodemus, this is all a matter of faith. You either believe it or you don't. John 3, 1 through 17 is essentially Jesus saying to Nicodemus, you must believe in the God who sent me and in the eternal purposes of that God and in that God's deep desire to see creation made right and in the loving care in which God holds everything. And for this, there is no proof, Nicodemus, just faith. A claim summarized by these words. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him.
Ultimately, of course, Nicodemus leaves this encounter with Jesus unsatisfied. Make no mistake, he's still just as taken with Jesus as he was when first he arrived, but Jesus' answers to his questions did not offer him the security he was seeking. And so we'll come back to Nicodemus in just a moment. But before we do, quickly, let us say another word on the season of Lent, on what Lent's purpose is. Lent is a season observed each year by the Christian church in advance of Easter. And when properly observed, Lent calls our attention to our own inability to create and sustain life, to our own inability to control everything, to our own desire to be little gods and goddesses, and how no matter how powerful or successful we may become, how still we are incapable on our own steam of saving ourselves and of fixing the world. Lent, when properly observed, asks us to acknowledge these things, to confess how true they really are, to repent of our repeated attempts to deny them, and to then recast our faith on the God who does have ultimate control, and to reaffirm our trust that even when the world looks muddiest and most broken, that God is indeed at work restoring things to wholeness. That is why Lent precedes Easter. It is meant to remind us that when things look the darkest and when our sense of control seems most futile, that the promise of resurrection is indeed coming. And finally, one last word on Lent. Lent, like Jesus to Nicodemus, reminds us as the Christian church that these are all claims that we take on faith. That none of this can be proven. That this can't be offered to us in a way that grants us full security. That we can either trust in the promise of resurrection or not. That such is and always is the wager of faith. Okay, enough on that. Back now to the three implications in John 3:17. Again, Jesus says, "For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him." And again, the three important implications here are one, that the world is in need of saving, Two, that it is the Son and not us who can ultimately save it. And three, that the Son desires to save it and not that he desires to merely save us from it. And so with having recapitulated those, let me now finish the Parker Palmer story. As Parker Palmer sat in that dark season of depression, unable to leave his room and unable to attend to his work and to the various obligations of his life. And as countless friends, like Job's friends did, came to his door offering different explanations of what was wrong and of how to fix it, 
And as each attempt to fix him only made his situation harder and more painful. Amid all of that, Palmer writes, there was one friend, a man named Bill, who kept coming around to visit Palmer, but unlike all those other well-meaning visitors, Bill never sought to give Palmer advice or to fix Palmer's pain himself. About which Palmer writes, and I quote, Thankfully, there was one friend, a man named Bill, who, after having asked my permission to do so, stopped by my home every afternoon, sat me down in a chair, knelt in front of me, removed my shoes and my socks, and for half an hour simply massaged my feet. He rarely spoke a word. When he did, he never gave me advice, but simply sought to mirror my condition. And he would say things to me like, I can sense your struggle today, Parker, or it feels to me like you're getting a little stronger today, Parker. Palmer goes on to write, I could not always respond to Bill, but his words were deeply helpful. For they reassured me that I could still be seen by someone, which is life-giving knowledge in the midst of an experience that makes one feel annihilated and invisible. He then goes on to conclude, It is impossible to put into words what my friend's ministry meant to me. Perhaps it is enough to simply quote the poet, that love consists in simply protecting and bordering and saluting each other. Love consists in simply protecting and bordering and saluting one another. I draw to a close by now recalling us to the image that I opened us with. The image of that baby bluebird toppled out of its nest, too young to fly. Now on the ground and at the mercy of the vicissitudes of nature, her loving mother, unable to save her from the danger and the fear and the limitless possibilities of suffering, that mother nonetheless committed to circling above her over and over again, bringing her food for nourishment and constantly reappearing, simply in order to let her baby know that she is there. That mother bird cannot save her baby bird, when Collier is drawing our attention to with this image, no matter how she might desire otherwise. She can merely be there. Be there and then, as Collier writes, quote, trust that this will somehow prove enough. That is what Parker Palmer's friend Bill did for him. And that, the season of Lent, steps in once a year to remind us as the Christian church is what we are called to do for one another. It is not our job to save the world. It is instead our job simply to be there for one another. To offer love and goodness and gentleness and mercy to help in whatever ways we can and to never cease trying to share one another's burdens. But then from there to simply keep on circling. To simply keep protecting 
and bordering and saluting one another as best we can. All the while trusting that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn it, but that God sent the Son into the world to save it. In the end, Nicodemus, he who could not cast his lot with the faithful during Christ's life, in the end, Nicodemus emerged from the shadows and helped carry Christ's body after crucifixion. Somehow, at the moment when all seemed most lost, that's when Nicodemus found the courage to circle around Christ and trust. And thus, Nicodemus was able to watch three days later as against all hope and expectation, the crucified Christ rose from the dead in glory. On this second Sunday in Lent, might we too find the courage of faith, relinquishing our desire to save the world and others and ourselves on our own and entrusting the saving power of God. Trusting that if we just keep circling around this world with loving care, and if we just keep showing up for those whom we love, and if we just keep protecting and bordering and saluting one another, and if we just keep standing at the edge of the mystery, that God will prove faithful. Trusting that God did not send his son into the world in order to condemn it but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen.